This episode was made possible by the generous support of listeners like you. For more information, please visit patreon.com slash author Chris Lester. You're listening to The Raven and the Writing Desk, the weekly podcast about the writings of Chris Lester and Liminal Corvid Press. This is episode 220. Hey there, folks. Welcome back to The Raven and the Writing Desk. I'm your host, Chris Lester. You can learn more about me and my work at chrislester.org and metamorecity.com. This is the show where I share my fresh new fiction with you. I'll also tell you what's new with my life and my writing. More on that later in the show. For now, let's get started with this week's story. Today I'm bringing you another story from my upcoming collection, Distant Realms. This is a short piece called The Lake, and I wrote it back in 2001. It's one of the only stories I've ever written entirely in longhand, during a long evening flight from St. Louis to San Jose. It's also the only story I've ever written in the second person. This story was sort of my tribute to Ray Bradbury, the master of the short, eerie, science fiction-slash-fantasy-slash-horror story. This is one of the earliest stories that I've shared on the podcast, and like None So Alone in last week's episode, it bears the marks of that younger stage in my writing career. I can't claim to have approached Bradbury's genius, but this was one of my first attempts at channeling that sort of eerie ambiance, and I think it mostly works. Now then, here's the story. The Lake Written and read by Chris Lester I knew you would come. The night is cool, calm, peaceful like the water. The birds have gone to their roosts, the bats have come out to hunt, and the flowers have closed their petals to the sky. A soft breeze blows through the trees, rustling their needles with a sound like a thousand whispers. It rustles your hair as well, and you brush a few loose strands from your face as you come to the edge of the forest. You pause, hesitating, and a look of confusion passes over your face. I smile. Such strong, handsome features. Hair too dark to any longer be blonde, yet too fair to be truly dark. A strong jaw, but not so strong as to be called hard or angular. Skin tanned and weathered by the sun. The skin of a man who knows that he was made for wildness and nature, not the soft, sickly life of man's world. Eyes a soft brown flecked with green, like the forest floor beneath your feet. Eyes that watch me now from a distance, wondering. Where am I? Your voice is strong, but puzzled. I smile again, and imagine that voice whispering love poetry in my ear, as the wind rustles through the trees and the water laps at the shoreline. You are where you belong, my darling where you have always belonged. Your heart knows this to be true. You take a step forward, but only a step. Your eyes sweep over the water, over me, 
and then you turn back to look at the forest from which you came. How did I get here? you ask. I turn over and rest my chin on my hands. The cool water laps around me, licking the sand on which I lay. Your heart led you here, I say. I called to you, and your heart answered me. A coy smile, as I knew it would. Your eyes meet mine, and again you step forward, entranced, captivated. Can you feel it, my beloved? Can you feel the calling of my heart to yours? The calling that draws you even now, each step taking you further from the life that you have known? Who? Who are you? You ask, your face poised between fear and happiness. Another step, closer to the water's edge. I rise to my feet, brushing dark locks away from my face as I look on you, so handsome, so perfect. I am the peace in the midst of the wildness. I am the preserver, the sustainer, giver of life to the forest and all that is in it. I am serenity and constancy when the storm rages and the fire burns. I stretch out my hands, gesturing at the woods that surround us. While I am, this is. When I am gone, so goes all that you see. Come to me, my darling. You stop, and a strange look fills your eyes. Why do you hesitate, my love? Why? You answer my question, though I did not speak. Why? you ask. Why me? What do you want with me? I fold my hands before me like a supplicant. I am lonely, I say, and my heart trembles along with my voice. My heart cries for one like itself, one that feels the call of the wilderness, a heart unsatisfied with man's way. You have such a heart. I know this. If it were not so, you would not have come. Something changes in your eyes. You know I have spoken the truth. You come a little closer. I can almost reach out and touch you now. But still the fear remains. What will happen to me? you ask. I smile broadly. Something wonderful, I say. You will know pleasures you have never dreamed of, but it is so difficult to explain in mere words. I stretch out my hand towards you. Come to me, and I will show you. You are very close now, nearly ready. I can see it in your eyes. Will I? Will I ever be able to go back? you ask. I gaze at you tenderly sharing in the bittersweet emotions you feel, the truth your heart already knows but fears to admit. Would you ever truly want to? In answer, your hands stray to the buttons of your shirt. One by one they come undone, and you let it fall to the sand at your feet. Your shoes follow, and then the rest of your clothes, until you stand before me as nature intended. With eyes full of love and a heart sure of its choice, you step forward into the water to meet me. I take you into my arms, the arms that have longed to hold you, and our lips meet 
and you run your fingers gently through my hair. We press closer to each other, hearts and bodies joining, becoming one, until you are in me, and I am in you, and now, at last, forever and ever, we shall never be alone again. Come, my lover, let the waters surround us, fill us, entwine with us, as we rest forever in each other's arms. Any luck? I'm sorry, boss. We've combed that lake from one end to the other. There's no sign of him. The ranger threw his hat on the table in disgust. Damn it. What are we going to tell the family, Michael? That their son decided to go skinny dipping in the middle of the forest, then disappeared without a trace? Maybe the fishes got to him. No, there's nothing in that lake that's big enough to eat the bones. We should have at least turned up a skeleton, or most of one. He gazed out at the window, frowning at the trees beyond. No, something else happened out there. Damned if I know what it was, though. He sighed and shook his head. I'll write up the report and send it out to the police tomorrow. They won't like it, but it's the best we can give them. Go ahead and call it a night, Michael. Your wife's waiting for you. Thanks, boss. Good night. Good night. The younger man walked to the door, reached for the handle, then paused. Hey, boss? Yeah? Wasn't that the same lake where that girl disappeared? What was it, 16 years ago? The one they say fell in at the north end of the lake and drowned? The ranger frowned. Now that you mention it... Yeah, I think you're right. Damn. Did they ever find the body? The older man gazed thoughtfully out at the woods. A wind blew through the trees, rustling softly. No, he murmured. No, Michael, I don't believe they did. And that was our story. I hope you enjoyed it. Distant Realms will be released on February 1st, and the book is available for pre-order now from Amazon, Smashwords, and Kobo. The links will be in the show notes. Robert Ludlum said, To me, storytelling is first a craft. Then, if you're lucky, it becomes an art form. But first, it's got to be a craft. So, let's see how my craft is progressing. Here's your weekly writing report. I wrote 2,366 words this week, over the course of 2.25 hours, for an average writing speed of 1,052 words per hour. As of Friday night, I have gone 100 days without breaking my chain. This week I worked on audio editing, writing podcast scripts for the next several episodes, and doing some more outlining for my romance series about Honor and Natasha. The first book, Honor Bound, is now plotted out in a decent amount of detail, and I have basic character bios on the main players in the story. I also wrote down some looser ideas for the next two books in the series, Word of Honor and Honor Among Thieves. If I can get these three books written, and they're successful, I could see this becoming an ongoing, open-ended series. I didn't get any new fiction writing done this week, though, 
And that's because of a pretty major new development for me and my wife, Melanie. We're buying a house. This started with a conversation on Saturday with my mom, who's a real estate agent. She casually mentioned a few facts about modern home buying that might make it possible for us to get a house, even though we didn't have much money for a down payment. On a lark, I started looking at houses online and sharing them with Mel. And imagine our surprise when we found that the perfect house had just come onto the market that weekend, at a price we could afford. Over the next 36 hours, we met a realtor, went to see the house, got pre-approved by a lender, put down an offer on the house, and got word that our offer had been accepted. Needless to say, my head is still sort of spinning from all this. We spent the rest of the week pulling together our paperwork, securing funding, and making arrangements for inspectors, appraisers, movers, and figuring out how to get out of our lease in our apartment. We also had to read and sign a lot of lengthy documents. After all that, there just wasn't a lot of brain power left for me to think about writing. Decision fatigue. It's a real thing, and it's the bane of every writer who has real life start intruding on their work. We close in our house on February 28th, after which we'll begin immediately moving our stuff in. Mel and I are both very excited about all this, and we can't wait to have a place that we can truly call our own. This does mean that I'm going to have to take a bit of a hiatus in March, while we get set up in our new home, and I figure out where and how to set up my recording studio. I'll keep you all posted on my progress, in the Metamore City Discord server, and the Fans of Metamore City Facebook group. Hopefully it won't take too long to find a setup that works, and we'll be back in action by the beginning of April. Fingers crossed! Over on the Patreon campaign, we have two new patrons this week. Say hello to Anathema and Carol. This week I shared the first look at my plans for the Honor and Natasha romance series. There's a brief explanation of the themes and setting, and profiles for each of the important characters. It's visible to all patrons at the $3 level and higher. If you like this podcast and want to help me keep making it, becoming a patron is the best way to support me. For as little as a dollar a month, you get access to exclusive bonus art and my behind-the-scenes author commentaries. For $3 a month, you get access to sneak peeks, character bios, cover reveals, and other cool stuff. Roughly 91% of everything you donate goes directly to me, and your monthly pledges help me cover the costs of keeping the show running. Now that I'm going to be moving into a house, I'll have the chance to set up a proper recording studio, and your donations are a big part of making that happen. To get started, go to patreon.com slash author Chris Lester. Take a look at the donation tiers and choose the one that's right for you. And if you're already a patron, please know that you have my deepest thanks and gratitude. I couldn't do this without you. And now, the feedback. Robbie Harris asks, How deep are the changes for the Metamore curse? Hi, Robbie. Well, first of all, the curse doesn't change your DNA. If you're a theriomorph, you're still genetically human, with 46 human chromosomes. If you're an androgyne, your SRY gene and the other sex-determining genes will still be whatever they were when you were born. With the changes to the curse that were made by Majestrix Kaya, you can still return to your body's original form, though only for limited periods of time. 
Where the curse does show up, biologically, is in the epigenetics, in how the genes are tagged and expressed and turned on and off. Hormone expression is affected, enzymes may behave differently, tissues grow differently and are maintained differently. Atheriomorph's organs might not be suitable for transplant to an uncursed human, and vice versa. Their blood might be superficially the same under a microscope, but it would have protein markers that don't show up in uncursed humans. An androgyne's hormonal expression and the function of their reproductive organs would be indistinguishable from those of a cisgender person of the same body morphology. The curse also shows up in a person's arcane signature, in the weave of mana that surrounds them. For people with wizard sight, it is visible as a permanent enchantment that covers and penetrates the person's entire body. The enchantment uses ambient mana to maintain itself, but it is also linked to the person's own life force, so even if a cursed person goes into an area with no ambient mana, the curse doesn't disappear. They just lose the ability to shapeshift as long as they're in the mana-dead zone. This enchantment field extends all the way to the person's eggs or sperm, which is why cursed people sometimes have children who carry the same curse as their parents. This isn't a hard and fast rule, though, and the magic is unpredictable in how and whether it gets passed on. Psychologically, the curse can have profound effects on the cursed person. Theriomorphs can find themselves struggling with animal instincts, and there is often a sense of joy and release in taking their full animal form. Androgynes have extremely high libidos, and as we saw with Danny in Making the Cut, they often end up becoming bisexual. Pedomorphs get bored easily, need more sleep than adult humans, and sometimes have trouble regulating their emotions and thinking through the consequences of their actions. So, overall, the changes are pretty deep, but the cursed remain fundamentally human, even when they don't look like it. Thanks for the question! If you'd like to share your thoughts about the show, send your feedback in text or audio to metamorcityfeedback at gmail.com. To leave a voicemail, dial area code 641-715-3900, then enter extension 255082, followed by the pound sign. My Facebook is facebook.com slash author Chris Lester. The fan group is fans of Metamore City on Facebook. And our Discord server is Metamore City. I'm there pretty often, so come say hi. If you like this show, please consider leaving a review at Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or Podchaser.com. It really helps people find the show. That's all for this week. I'll be back next time with more fresh new fiction. Until then, keep it on the bright side. This is Chris Lester, signing out. The contents of this podcast are copyright 2001 and 2020 by Chris Lester and Liminal Corvid Press. The show is released under a Creative Commons, attribution, non-commercial, no derivatives license. So don't change it, don't sell it, but feel free to share it all you like. For more information about this license, please visit creativecommons.org.